Spread the God Culture, a group of independent researchers with no affiliation to any denomination nor organization whatsoever. We read the word and we test it as 1 Thessalonians 5.21 tells us, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. In our first foundational video, where we cover abundant scripture, searching for any markers to follow even from the Hebrew. We find some. One of the things we uncover is upaz, which is a gold used to overlay the walls of the temple and Solomon's house. But at the same time, another scripture says those same walls are covered with the gold of Ophir. Thus, we equate the two, rightfully so. But can a further connection be found here? One that really no one can unravel. In our preparations for our coming Rise Philippines conferences, we decided to go deeper and test this further. And what we found will blow your mind. Remember, UPAS is defined, and we'll show you even more references above that, not just a naming site. So no one will ever attempt to pick that apart again either. Defined as the gold of Pisan, the Pisan River, the river from Eden, which sounds like the very land, which is the origin of gold. No, gold doesn't multiply, but it was first found there and used by Adam himself, even in his first sacrifice to Yahuwah, which we prove later in the series. But wait till you see where this leads. Now let's start with Genesis 2. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. Note, it leaves the land of Eden to water the garden of Eden, which was planted eastward in the east. Now we test that out thoroughly later. And its purpose, the purpose of this whole river system, it has one purpose according to scripture, and that is to water the garden. Meaning the Garden of Eden is at the end of the system. And we prove that out too, even scientifically in great detail in part 10. That will really blow your mind. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. So four rivers come from one, five rivers in total. Now any theory not finding this origin of those four rivers, the river from Eden itself has absolutely no place whatsoever if it cannot locate that source river. And we have yet to see one theory out there that does other than the one from the God culture in part 10 and 12. We've never seen anyone actually identify these rivers, in fact, according to scripture, as none of their outcomes actually fit scripture. They find rivers, and then they ignore what the Bible says about them. 
there are specific markers there that one must match. So you'll see that later in the series and we really proof that out. More to come on that as well. New stuff. Does the passage say they all part in the same place? So it looks kind of like the Nile River, the Fertile Crescent. Does it, do they have to converge in the same exact place? Does this say that? No. Just says it parted. Just that it has four heads. Not one head, four. Many start with that paradigm, and it is false, thus never leading to a logical conclusion. Kind of like the Ark Landing, which we also covered, is very misinterpreted and misunderstood, as they just don't read Scripture but go right around it and land somewhere which Scripture says it cannot be, period. And even archaeology has taken place in the wrong area, in the wrong direction on a mountain that's 12,000 feet too short to fit scripture. But we get there too. We either believe the Bible or we don't. The name of the first is Pisan. Note Hebrew reads from right to left, thus the first river, which we locate in the east, would be exactly in the east to the right which is why it is listed first. Yet it is at the end of the Eden River system where we prove the Garden of Eden is. And you'll have to watch those. So we know the Pisan River that surrounds the whole land of Havila where there is gold and the gold of that land is good, abundant. And there is delium, pearl, not African resin, because the Israelites ate that. That was the color of the manna. And they certainly didn't eat yucky African resin looking stuff. Ew. And the onyx stone. Now we test all three, and the next video will test every resource, in fact, listed in the scriptures associated with these lands Ophir, Sheba, Tarshish, and Havila. So we'll leave that for the next video. And we prove it later in the series as well. So Upas is defined as the gold of the Pisan River according to several Bible dictionaries. And each slide is sourced, by the way, so you can look them up. This is serious, but can we connect this? Again, a little background, and we cover this later, but We'll start with this. We're trying to front load more evidence on the front end. The Greeks have a source of gold. The origin of gold, really, which they call the Isle of Christ, with an additional Isle of Argyre for silver. Purpolis in the first century records these isles as the last part of the inhabited world toward the east, under the rising sun itself. Gee, where could that be? Perhaps the land of the morning? <laughs> the land of the rising sun. Obviously, Japan has that claim as well, but it is definitely a claim of the Philippines.
beyond the land of this, China, which brought silk to India. Now, what islands are in the South China Sea, east of China? Don't worry, we're about to show you a map, so this will be abundantly clear. One knows by all their neighbors, their histories, their descriptions, the titles they used for the land of the Philippines as being the land of gold, the mountains of gold, the islands or isles of gold. Now we cover that too. I think we did in part one, in fact. Only the Philippines has all of those connotations overwhelmingly in ancient history. No one has this history, and it is incredibly abundant. Even South Africa didn't even mine gold until 1300 AD, we will prove, and their gold rush didn't occur until almost 1900. So about 100 years they've been number one in gold. Prior to that, it was the Philippines. And the Philippines is still number two, even today, having mined gold for 3,000 plus years. Yeah, no one can deny that. But wait till you get to part six. And this is mapped, so let's take a look. You can see Africa at the bottom, Asia to the right, east. We marked where Solomon's Red Sea port was located, with arrows showing his journey, just for a point of reference, so you understand how these two match completely. Because the Greeks were merely copying Solomon, actually. You can see the journey would head east past Saudi Arabia, Ethiopia, Yemen, through the Indian Ocean, beyond the Indian Ocean, beyond India, beyond China, and beyond the Indian Sea, the Indian Ocean, whichever you want to call it, the Arabian Sea is another term used in history for that same body of water. Just, and the Erythian Sea for that matter, just as the Bible points out, and we identify in part one. And where does it lead? Well, you can then pass Sumatra, formerly known and very well recorded as Taprobane. Notice it's not Sumatra, so that's out. It continues northeast of Sumatra in the South China Sea. It does not go up to Japan, so that's out. It can't be Taiwan because it's two islands at least. And notice it does not continue east to Malaysia nor Indonesia as it turns north, east. And there are both islands right there. The northern island, which we later identify in this series as Luzon or Ophir, Philippines. And the southern island, extremely rich in gold, or actually silver, sorry. Even today, with the second largest gold reserves in Ophir and the silver reserves pretty much in the same realm, is found in Tarshish, or Mindanao, Philippines. Very rich in silver today. We'll 
cover these resources more in the next video. So don't worry. Superpolis is pretty clear where the Isle of Christ and Argyre were. And even in 43 AD, Pomponius Mela's world map illustrated this very clearly, and it's indisputable. This was not a mystery, and this is affirmed, very firm history. We find in the series, in fact, it was no mystery to the explorers, nor after them, not even to the writer of We Three Kings, who wrote in the 1800s, which we cover. The Jesuits began to obscure this knowledge in the 1800s, but this is one of the really funny things. Some accuse us of coming up with new knowledge, and that's just plain false. We are restoring what was indisputably known and lost for the past 150 years, and we use very many references to prove that. It's time we all know this again, because it matters. It leads to the restoration of prophecy, and that definitely matters. By the way, if one wonders how does Greece connect all the way over to the Philippines, the answer, Tarshish. See, he was the mariner son of Javan, who was the father of Greece. Thus, Tarshish even spoke Greece, Greek. And we even find residual Greek in Mindanao, of all places, specifically in part 7. See, when one watches this whole series, they don't even attempt to debate. Only those who do not, and then usually will come at us and debate in ignorance, expecting that we're going to prove a case this large in one video. We didn't, we're not, and we didn't intend to. Josephus calls Christ in Latin, Aria Chersonesis and equates the island with biblical Ophir. Boom, there you go. From where the ships of Tyre and Solomon brought back gold and other trade items. And note, the very chemical symbol used in science today is derived from that very place, from Aram or Aria, both A-U. The original source of gold on all of earth. It's AU for that reason. And this is about to really blow your mind. See, this land that Josephus, Pomponius, Mela, Purpolis, and others all talk about is the very source of Greeks' gold, the source of India's gold, and the source of the very symbol AU for that matter. And it is Solomon's source for gold, where Ophir and his brothers migrated before that. See, these islands matter. They are the origin, and we prove this in so many ways. Your head will spin. But remember, the chemical symbol of gold is what? A-U. And originates in this exact land. Wow! But there's more to that. Upaznau 
Next, we are going to look at the word in ancient Hebrew, not modern Hebrew, which is infused with Yiddish, especially. But the ancient Hebrew, and even the pictograph form, this is good. But when you look at this word in the Bible dictionaries, it is now indicated as perhaps a corruption of, or probably another name for, oh fear. How about that? That's not us, that's Hitchcock's, ATS, Easton's, and International Standard Bible Dictionaries and Encyclopedias. So, on this one, they are starting to get it right. Good. But let's look at this word, because it tells the story, and the connection is there all the way back to creation itself. Yep, watch this. We have our ancient Hebrew language chart on the right from ancienthebrew.org, a Jewish source. So let's actually chart out these letters. And by the way, this chart pretty much agrees with most that's out there. There's not much that deviates from these very standard, very easy to follow and interpret pronunciations and sounds. But something is wrong here. Somehow, all these scholars, for all of these years, and all these linguists, linguists who were supposed to read the Hebrew and render it, well, somehow, they're skipping the very first letter of both words, upaz and ophir, in Hebrew. Why on earth would they do that? See, the letter, it starts with well, L, which is the ancient Hebrew letter, now called Aleph. But you may have heard Aleph today, but it's the letter A. Why would they change, by the way, L for Elohim as a designation for that letter to Aleph? Kind of odd, isn't it? We'll let you answer that. So this is the letter A in both words. So it's not upaz or even ophir because neither starts with a U nor an O. Even Strong's Concordance recognizes the similarity between these two words as it places them as number 210 and 211 consecutive to one another, which shows an association. So we have an A. Can I buy another vowel? Yes, how about a U? The next letter is WA, not VAV, which is deceptive as that letter did not have a V sound in ancient Hebrew ever. And no one's ever proved otherwise. No, the modern Pharisee trying to bring Yehovah back falsely is wrong and never, ever proves that there was a V in ancient Hebrew for the Wa. That sound is not there. And calling it Vav from Yiddish, because that's where it originates, doesn't change that. Wa is W, U, or O. 
But these are the same word, and it's rendered UW and OW. Huh? Why? No, it's just simple. It's you. How do we know? It's you. Because these both are a reference to the ancient land of gold, Aria in Latin. And it's a you. Ooh, more on that coming. We then have a pay, which is P or PH, so the PH is fine. Notice it still sounds out as oaf, really. And both are the same. So it's not oof and oaf, it's oaf for both. How about that rhyme? So the first three letters are the same, and that is pretty neat. Now they deviate a little, but look at the turn that Upaz takes. For the last letter is Zan, or Zion in modern Yiddish, really, which is Z. But in the most ancient form of this letter, and we are talking about the most ancient of times and lands here, tied to the Garden of Eden and the land of creation even? Yes, we prove that association very firmly. But in pictograph form, this letter Zan represents a pickaxe, which is used for what? For mining gold. Imagine that. This word reeks of gold and gold of Ophir, because it is the same origin. Imagine that. Right there in the word. Wow. And the word Ophir adds a Yad, which is Y or E-E, -E, still consistent with its pronunciation, and it really doesn't matter whether you insert the Y or E-E. -E. Pronunciation would be similar. But wait till we reveal the pictograph rendering for all of these letters because that is going to bring this all home. So Upaz is complete already, but add a resh or r to Ophir to complete that word. And what do we have? So in the original Hebrew language, ancient Hebrew, these words are Ophaz, and Ophir. See, pronounced the same for Ophir, but Upaz, wrong. Close, but why not render the L or Aleph in the front as the A that it is? Why on earth would they ignore that in both words? Well, look at what it reveals. Very much the same Ufaz and Ophir, Ophaz, Ophir. Very interesting, because the Hebrew word for gold is pass or faz. So look at that word. It's actually A-U, separated, faz, gold, A-U, gold. Imagine that. It doesn't get any clearer than this linguistically. AU is the chemical symbol of gold, 
and pass gold. Wow. And notice what both begin with, AU, the chemical symbol for gold, which is the origin of the gold of what? Latin aurea, which we are told is the origin of that symbol, the chemical symbol, AU. But that's not actually accurate, is it? For aria has an origin. It originates in aufas, ofas, and aufer, ofer, ophir. There's your au origin. From the very original source of gold on all of Earth. That's why this land mattered so much to Jockton's sons, and why it mattered so much to Solomon, and why it even today has the attention of the largest superpowers on Earth who are squabbling over control of this land of origin, something that both of them have no right to claim whatsoever. But let us take a look at this most ancient word in its original form as pictographs. This is amazing. You see to the right of each letter, we type the pictograph definition of these letters from the chart to the right, right out of there. And here's a rendering of those pictographs for OFAS. This is our rendering based on this chart. So one could say, well, I think that word might be this instead. Okay, whatever. But generally, this is pretty good and an awesome meaning. Remember the definition, the gold of the pisan is OFAS. That's its definition. And in other words, that makes it Havila, the land of the Garden of Eden, the land of Adam and Eve, the land of creation, which we deal with all of that later. The pictograph says something like this. Inhabiting and mining gold at the ends of the earth, well, where Elohim is. Dude, did you get that? In pictograph form, this word is a great big neon sign saying, this is ancient Havila and Ophir. And then, tapos for Ophir. Look at this. There's a reason why it deviates from the other word a little, or vice versa, because Ophir is the origin of Ophas. The beginning. First man. Are you hearing this? Exiled to inhabit until the ground from whence he came, the land of creation. And worship Elohim at the ends of the earth. Wow! A clear reference to the land of creation, which we later tie to Havilah, in a very methodical way, but this linguistically ties it already and to the Garden of Eden. This just keeps getting better and better. The deeper we look into this, the more we realize this 
is absolute certain truth. Ophaz's peace sign is Havila, is Ophir, Ophir, is the land of creation and the Garden of Eden and leads right to the Genesis 2 gold, the very first mention of gold in all of history, just after creation itself, used by Adam in the very first sacrifice, used by Solomon in building the temple and used as the origin of the very chemical symbol, A-U. We are using in science today. Wow! The next video, we are going to fully vet the resources of Ophir, Sheba, Tarshish, and Havila, and you do not want to miss this one. A ton of new information, and we button it up. 100% match to the Philippines. Thank you for watching our Solomon's Gold series. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to click the bell or just click the next screen. Share this video with others and check out our website at thegodculture.com. Always remember to prove all things for yourself. Yahuwah bless and on our upcoming conferences in the Philippines we offer our updated schedule next as we are getting very close now this will be quite a month and only the beginning we also provide a link to register in the description box below the video don't forget to register for the conferences so our hosts can prepare Yahuwah bless We are so excited. As our schedule continues to grow for May 2019, we would like to take a moment and thank all those who are praying for these upcoming conferences in the Philippines and all those who have given to support the effort on Patreon. It is so helpful to have your support going into the schedule and future conferences. We can't wait to get out and meet many of you and deliver the message of Solomon's Gold series to many who have never watched the videos even. This will be a process, but this is a great start beyond our expectations. Around 15 dates are booked now, and what a month this will be. But it will not end there, so if you cannot make a conference, there will be more to come, hopefully for many years. We have had so many step up on so many levels, even some taking on full event responsibility. And thank you to all our hosts who are working so hard to prepare. We also want to thank our partner, Pastor Paul Madrano, who has done so much to make these events a reality. We love you, Pastor Paul and Susan. It's getting close now, and if you feel led, there will be a link on the next screen that you can click and give to support these conferences still. This is not merely an effort of the God culture, but so, so many. And thank you all so much. The Philippines is truly rising. Rise, Sheba, Ophir, and Tarshish. Rise. Yahuwah bless all.